when I was a little girl and I would visit my grandmother's house, we would have dinner in the dining room and use her pretty silverware. And she would regularly tell me, this is going to be yours one day. So I had that to look forward to. I knew it would belong to me. It was her plan. It was going to be her gift to me. She told me about it so often. I did look forward to receiving that gift. Jesus told the disciples about the gift that they would receive after his departure. God the Father had been telling people for a long time that one day they would receive his gift, the gift of his Holy Spirit. So Jesus' final instructions on earth were, wait for the Holy Spirit. And I have given you Acts 1, 4, and 8 on your handout. Just think about how important it was. These were Jesus' last words before he ascended. So the disciples were assembled together and he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So they were to wait. Verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The last words, wait for the Holy Spirit. So just think about this. Jesus' final message to his disciples, which we have been studying, John 14, 15, 16, his message before his death was about his promise that the Father would send the Holy Spirit. And then after his resurrection, very last words that he said before he disappeared into the clouds was, wait for the Holy Spirit. They would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The importance of the Holy Spirit cannot be understated, right? So today I want to reflect on the reality of the Holy Spirit, even though he is invisible to us. He is real. The Bible gives us much information about him. And I think it will be easiest to consider the lists that we have about his characteristics. I referred to the big book on biblical doctrine that's edited by John MacArthur and Richard Mayhew as the source of these lists. So I want to give credit where credit is due. It is true that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Third person of the Trinity. God has revealed the person of the Spirit to his people, and he's done it through his word, and he's done it through Jesus' teachings. What we need to think on right now is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person like God the Father is a person, and Jesus is a person. But just to be extremely clear, I'm not saying that God the Father and the Holy Spirit is a person in human form. We know Jesus was in a human form when he was born on earth as the God-man. But God the Father and the Holy Spirit 
are persons as in beings. And this is someone with a relational characteristic. And this relational characteristic or several of the relational characteristics include mind, will, and emotion. You are people with mind, will, and emotion. That's what gives you personhood. And uh, I want you to keep in mind that we know and understand these things about the Holy Spirit from our human perspective as created beings. But God the Spirit is uncreated. He has all of these characteristics, all of these capabilities that we're going to see, and they are in, and I have this statement on your handout, they are in a perfect, holy, untainted, unchanging capacity. All this about the Holy Spirit. He didn't become this. He's not going to lose any of it. He has always been this way and always will be. One other caveat is that none of these descriptions about the Holy Spirit are used to indicate that He is like us. <laughs> Instead, we are kind of like Him. We are created in the image of God. So the first thing we're going to look at are the evidences of the personhood of the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible tell us about His mind, will, and emotions? Mind, He has intellect, cognition, Thinking. How do we know this? Number one and two and three. He counsels. He knows. He imparts wisdom. We saw this verse in our homework, Isaiah eleven two. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. A spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Also, evidence that he has a mind is that. Number four, the Holy Spirit inspired scripture. Second Peter one twenty one. No prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, moved by the Holy Spirit, men spoke from God. Number five, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Romans eight twenty six. The Spirit also joins to help in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit knows, and so I added that part. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. This is showing us his mind. Number six, Romans eight twenty seven. the very next verse, shows us he possesses a mind. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. What are the Spirit's thoughts? What's he thinking? He has a mind. What does he do? He does remind us. This is also showing us that he has uh, a mind. John fourteen twenty six. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Number eight, he provides truth. You're familiar with this one. John fourteen seventeen. He is the spirit of truth. Number nine, he speaks. This is also showing us his mind. Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And Acts 28.25 says, the Holy Spirit correctly spoke through the prophet Isaiah to your forefathers. So the ability to speak, to say something that makes sense, comes from your mind, your thinking, your intellect. We also see what else comes from your mind. 
teachings. Number 10, the Holy Spirit teaches. Luke 12, 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. 1 Corinthians 2, 13, we speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. And one more that shows evidence of the mind of the Spirit. He testifies. John fifteen twenty six. When the Counselor comes, He will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. He thinks. He has reasoning. I'm, I keep kind of wanting to go to my mind here. To, but, I mean, why should I do that? I don't know how... <laughs> I can't say that the Holy Spirit has a form like me, so he's got a mind like this. I'm not trying to say that. The next aspect of personhood is that he has a will, volition. He chooses. He makes decisions. He acts. Number one, he contends with sinners. I'm going to come back and talk about that one more later with the Genesis 6-3 and Acts 7-51 verses. He also directs. He tells people what he wants them to do. Acts 16, 6 and 7. Um, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and were prevented by the Holy Spirit. He said, no, don't, don't go there. Verse 7, when they came to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, no, I don't want you to go there. He had another will, another plan for Paul. Number three, he distributes spiritual gifts. This one very specifically uh, shows us. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each one as he wills. And that's the concluding verse in a passage about spiritual gifts. Number four, he regenerates. John 3, 7 says, or 8, The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So that's a regeneration, being born of the Spirit. And this word regeneration is used in Titus 3, 5. I love this verse, if you haven't noticed. I actually quote this verse all the time. He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Another aspect of the Holy Spirit's personhood is His emotion, his affection. Number one, he experiences joy. First Thessalonians 1 6, you became imitators in us of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That was Paul talking to the Thessalonians. Number two, he can be insulted. Hebrews 10 29 how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Another translation, instead of using the word insulted there, says outraged the Spirit of grace. Again, we're seeing emotion, feeling, a sensitivity, not that he's too sensitive, but he is sensitive. He does feel. Number three, 
shows us he grieves over sin. Isaiah 63.10 says, They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, referring to the Israelites. Well, that was then. But believers. Ephesians 4.30 says, Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit, who sealed you for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit grieves over sin, and we should too. And in the category of emotion and affection, he loves And I was really glad to see this and have it brought to my attention. Romans 15.30 says, I implore you, brothers, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit to agonize together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. When you stop and think about it, it is no surprise. God loves you. Jesus loves you. You, well, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit share the same characteristics and behaviors. They, they live them out in their three persons. So there's a difference, but they do the same thing. They love. The Holy Spirit loves. That should not be a surprise, but it was a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> Now we're going to think about the names of the Holy Spirit. Every person you know on earth has a name of some kind, whether you have made up a name for them if you don't know a name (laughs) or, or you know their name. People have formal names and titles. There are family names. There are nicknames. Sometimes the names are related to how they act or what they do. My parents had a friend and everybody called him Crazy Bob. He was funny, and he did some crazy things. So it also distinguished him from the other Bob. So that's Crazy Bob, and that's Bob. (laughs) We just welcomed our fifth grandchild into the world, a second granddaughter, and her name was kept secret until after she was born. And even after the birth announcement, she's here. And it's like, great, what's her name? We're waiting. What's her name? I was very eager to learn her name so I could begin to think about her in the fullest way. And now we know it. She is Little Miss Abigail Catherine Ficken. And she is going to take over our hearts. She is named after Abigail in the Bible. So she was intelligent, beautiful, wise, and hospitable. And these are things that I can pray for our Abigail to be. And she's also named Catherine because it's a family name. The Bible uses many names to refer to the Holy Spirit, and they help us understand who he is. Some of them are family names, and they show us the relationship of the Holy Spirit to God the Father and God the Son. We, some of his names are descriptive and tell us more about his attributes. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read everything under this list of the relationship between the Holy Spirit and God the Father. You should look them up and see them for yourself. But I will highlight number two. God himself says he is my spirit in Genesis 6, 3. And he says it as well in Ezekiel 36, 27. He says, I will put my spirit in you. In number five, Jesus called the spirit the promise of the father. According to Acts 1, 4. I love this one. He is the spirit of the living God. 
And I just love it when I hear that phrase of the living God, because he is alive, but I just really like it. And then uh, number 10, I want to read this verse to you. Uh, He is the spirit of your father. And Jesus said this, Matthew 10, and I'm going to start with 19 and share verse 20. Jesus said, when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of the father who speaks in you. So it's just showing us that intimate Union, unity, oneness, the triunity, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Next, we'll look at names that show the relationship between the Holy Spirit and God the Son. He's called the Spirit of Jesus in Acts 16, 7. He's called the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8, 9 and 1 Peter 1, 11. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of His Son. Galatians 4, 6 says, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's so clear. It's so true. We know that Paul is telling us what Jesus told the disciples. Now let's look at names that are unique to the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit. Now, that might not sound really unique to us because we're used to talking about him. He is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But God was talking to Moses in Numbers eleven seventeen. God said, I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the Spirit who is on you and put the Spirit on them. So that's where you, that's one place where you hear about him. In Matthew 4, 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So that's emphasizing that unique declaration of who he is, the Spirit. Unique, separate, different from God the Father and God the Son. It's really clear in Matthew 4, 1, right? Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Another unique unique name is that he is the eternal spirit in Hebrews 9:14. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? There's another Trinity verse for you. We have the blood of Christ, the eternal spirit, and the living God. He is called your good spirit in Psalm 143:10. The prayer is, "Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground." And who is good but God, right? He's the Holy Spirit. There are many, many references for this unique name. So many. I'm just going to highlight this one. Matthew 1, 18. Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Wow. He is one spirit. Ephesians 4, 4 says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One spirit. Now, this is not contradictory when in the next one, it says he's the 
seven spirits. Revelation 1, 4 says, Grace and peace to you from the one who is and who was and who is coming and from the seven spirits before his throne. Some translations make it a little bit easier for us to understand the concept that is being talked about here. He is the sevenfold spirit, which relates back to Isaiah 11, 2. And you can count those out. And um, I'll uh, connect you to the next list, names that indicate the attributes of the Holy Spirit. So we'll look at this um, number one and two. He's this and I'm going to count out from Isaiah what he is. He's the spirit of the Lord. He's the spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, and might, and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So that the first one I usually skip over, spirit of the Lord. I don't usually count that as number one, but that's number one. And that's how you get the sevenfold spirit, because he is the spirit of the Lord God. He's the spirit of God. All right, more attributes of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see some overlap between the description of his personhood, mind, will, and emotions, and attributes, and then we're also going to see his ministries in a minute. So there are some overlaps as just we're considering different aspects of this truth, whether it's showing us and highlighting his personhood or his action. He's the spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13. He's the spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4.14. That one says, if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. He's the spirit of grace, Hebrews 10.29. I already read that one previously. He, in number six, is the spirit of holiness. I love everything about the Holy Spirit, but I especially love that he is the spirit of holiness. And I double-checked, is that phrase used anywhere else? This is the only time that I could find it. Romans 1, 4. It says, Jesus was established as the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. And that is the form and the way it's expressed in the Greek. It doesn't say Holy Spirit. It says spirit of holiness. I want nothing other than the good Holy Spirit dwelling in me and making me like our holy God. So I just love thinking on him as the spirit of holiness. Number seven, he's the spirit of life. That's not surprising. Romans 8, 2. Because the spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. He's the promised Holy Spirit. You've heard that. It's also said in Ephesians 1, 13. In him, when you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. We've seen this in John 14. It's in John 15. It's in John 16. It's repeated. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He is the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And that's Ephesians 1:17. And you also could refer back to Isaiah 11, 2. Number 11. Hopefully this one's getting to be very familiar with you. If not already, he is the helper. 
And John 16, 7 says, Jesus said, If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So far through these lists, we've seen that the Holy Spirit is mentioned through the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's referred to three times more often in the New Testament than in the Old. Why do you think that is? Because he showed up (laughs) and he was in the writers and they could now talk about him. And Jesus talked about him so much. The book, Biblical Doctrine, states that one of the most dominant themes about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is that he is a gift from God to every believer. And I love that. And you can tell I I gave the title of this talk that the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's remember what an incredible gift he is. Jesus message tells us about him as his gift. And this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was given to us to give us peace and joy and an intimate union with God the Father and with Jesus. So that comes through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was an inaugural fulfillment of the new covenant. And I gave you that statement on your handout. The Spirit had been promised through the prophets, very specifically through Ezekiel 36, 27, When the Lord said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So, you know, God's plan was to put his spirit in his people. That was God's plan. And that's exactly what Jesus said would happen in John 14, 17. The spirit of truth will be in you. So if you're not already on the last page of your handout, you can go there now. Jesus said, just reiterating this, because it probably was really hard for the disciples to believe him when he said this. John 16, 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Let me say it one more time. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the gift of God the Father and God the Son. The Spirit does His work in us and through us. And that's why the illustration of the vine and branches is so appropriate. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit enables us to obey the Lord. He enables us to want to keep the commandments of the Lord. He enables us to bear much fruit. He's doing it in us and through us. Now I'm going to continue our focus on the Holy Spirit with a list of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. This is him helping us. This is a list of how he helps us, what he does in us, for us, through us. He works on us from within and he works on us from without. And he makes us bear much fruit. Jesus knew it was better for him to leave than for him to stay. He knew it would be better. He knew it would be best. He knew it had to be this way that each individual needed to receive 
power from on high. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So what does he do in believers? He adopts. Romans 8, 15. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He baptizes. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. He bears witness. Romans eight sixteen, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And he does other types of testifying too. We've seen that in our homework. He calls to ministry. Number four, Acts 13, 2. It says, as they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to do. That's good to know. The Holy Spirit does this calling He also convicts, and you're going to study much more about this in your homework this coming week. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin. Number six, he empowers. Uh, Another one that I really love, (laughs) Exodus 31, 1. I love this verse. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, look, I have appointed by name Bezalel. I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft. Hands-on, handiwork, Bezalel was a master craftsman skilled at engraving, mounting gemstones, and in carving wood because God filled him with the spirit and empowered him through the Holy Spirit to do these tangible things. These were um, things that were made for the tabernacle when they were in the wilderness. Number seven, the Holy Spirit fills. Acts 2, 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. And you probably know Ephesians 5, 18 talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit. More on that topic if you take the Ephesians study with me. Number eight, he guarantees... Second, oh no, Ephesians 1.14. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Number nine, He guards. Second Timothy 1.14. Guard through the Holy Spirit who lives in us that good thing entrusted to you. That's wonderful. The Holy Spirit is at work guarding the gospel, the truth, our faith, our hope. The Holy Spirit guards this good thing, the truth that God has given us and our life in Him. Number 10, He helps. That's what He does. Number 11, He illuminates. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, in order to know what has been freely given to us by God. So are we supposed to understand something? Are we supposed to know something? How are we supposed to know it? Let the Holy Spirit illuminate it, explain it, show it to us. The things that have been freely given to us by God. Number 12, He indwells. I hope you're really getting this one. (laughs) 
Romans 8, 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. And I double checked that word just to see whether it was um, the same word in John abides. And it's not. It's a different word, but it's dwells as in lives, inhabits. He lives in you. 13. He intercedes. Romans 8, 26, the spirit also joins to help in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. He leads. I already read that verse, Psalm 143, 10. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. He leads. So let's go with him. (laughs) Let's follow Number 15, he produces fruit. We're going to focus on this one next week. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Number 16, he provides spiritual character. Galatians 5, 16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And then a little bit later in verse 25, 525, Paul says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the Spirit. So spiritual character. Number 17, he regenerates. I already mentioned that one. Number 18, he reminds. I think I already mentioned that one. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have told you. Don't forget, he reminds. Ask him to remind you. Number 19, the Holy Spirit restrains, convicts of sin. This one is the Genesis 6, 3 I mentioned a little bit earlier. It says, the Lord said... My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Strive. My spirit will not contend. My spirit will not fight with man forever. I'm building an explanation here. Acts 7.51 is Stephen talking and he says, You stubborn people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit like your ancestors did. So people fight with the Holy Spirit. They resist the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 says, The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. So the mystery of lawlessness, there's sin going on. People are fighting and against the Holy Spirit. They're sinning against the Holy Spirit. They're resisting him. And yet the Holy Spirit is restraining further sin. So there's this resisting and restraining of sin. Praise the Lord that the Holy Spirit is restraining sin and wickedness. There is going to be a time where he's not restraining it and it's going to be worse than it is right now. So praise God that he is. Praise God for his Holy Spirit who is restraining sin right now. Number 20, the Holy Spirit resurrects. Romans 8, 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. 21, He reveals truth. That should not be a surprise. Number 22, He sanctifies. Romans fifteen sixteen says, The Gentiles 
are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, We must always thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So He sanctifies. He did sanctify you. He is sanctifying you right now. And there is going to be a final sanctification. Number 23, He seals I already talked about that. Number 24, he selects overseers. Acts 20, 28. The Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God. And he sends, number 25, Acts 13, 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit that came down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. He strengthens. This is... uh, one of the verses that I remember making a really big impression. I mean, God, the Holy Spirit illumined my understanding with this verse of His work in my life. Ephesians three sixteen. I pray that He may grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. I knew the Holy Spirit was in me, but... It was a really great thing when I understood by the illumination of the Holy Spirit that He does this work, strengthening with power in the inner man. He teaches. I feel like we've already talked about that one. Well, I want to mention my grandmother's silverware again, that gift that I received. I did receive it. I do have it. I love it. It's pretty. I've got Forks and salad forks and spoons and knives and serving spoons and serving forks. I got a lot. It's very useful, but it's put away in a drawer. And I don't use it. And I don't think about it. I should use it. I would enjoy it. Let's not treat the Holy Spirit like my grandmother's silverware left in the drawer, forgotten, not used. We've seen the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's so helpful. He's wonderful. Let us not forget about him. Let us depend on him. In his ministry, his help, his counsel, he is the source of everything that we need. He's the sap of the vine growing up and out into the branches to, so that we can bear fruit. So the last section here is to see that the Holy Spirit is the source of fellowship. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Fellowship with believers comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of liberty, freedom. 2 Corinthians three, seventeen says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom from legalism, from works. There's freedom from sin and death. He's the source of freedom. He's the source of life and peace. Romans 8, 6 says, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. He's the source of power. 
You probably know that, and that might be the main one that you normally think about. Listen to Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's a source of power, but that verse is packed. He's the source of hope and joy and peace, believing. He's the source, as we've seen on these others, the source of fellowship and freedom. We've still got more. There's more and more and more. <laughs> He's the source of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. He's the source of truth. That one keeps coming up. He's the source of unity. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. One Holy Spirit in you all. More mystery that is beyond our comprehension, but he is in every believer. He is the source of wisdom. Back to Isaiah eleven two again there. And he is the source of worship. This is a great one to end on. Philippians 3, 3 says, We worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And Ephesians five eighteen and 19 says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Holy Spirit's the source of true, right worship. So here's the conclusion. The word that Jesus used when he told his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit was in the Greek, paraclete. We've talked about that. You have seen, I hope, that it does not have a full, clear English equivalent. And that's why translations give us these different words. Comforter, helper, counselor. Advocate. We need all of those to try to grasp all that he does. And from this whole list that we've gone through tonight, you can see that even those don't tell you everything that he does for us. The Holy Spirit is fully, personally involved in our lives. He's so personal that he moves in with us. He moves in and says, I'm here to help, and I'm here to stay. That is great news because we need him. Next week, we're going to consider more of what he does to make us fruitful and to bring glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God's promised gift that has been given. Let's say thank you for that gift. <laughs> 